Welcome to the Starfire Codes podcast, where we discuss metaphysics, survival, the media, and the truth. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Amy Pitchell. We're here today with Will Keller and John Rowland. Will and John are the co-hosts of the Natural Freedom League podcast and organizers of the Freedom Under Natural Law or Funnel Conference. Will Keller and John Rowland, part one. Great to have you guys on the show. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, um, we were just talking about you guys just wrapped up um, the third annual funnel conference, uh, the Trivium. So let me know, um, you know, what that was like and, and you know, uh, how, how it went the, the third time around now and, and what all went into that and, and the design of that and and the uh, the execution of it. I'll let you take that, Will. OK, cool. Yeah. So the, the third uh Freedom Under Natural Law Conference, huge success. This was a free online two-day conference. Uh, the title of this conference was The Trivium, which the trivium itself is the, uh, the threefold process of truth discovery um, from the classical uh, liberal arts, the, the process of truth discovery, which is ultimately critical thinking and how we co-create and manifest our, our current human condition. So it was a really good topic, and um, we had a wide variety of categories, all kind of under the umbrella of uh, seeking truth, speaking truth, freedom, consciousness, and uh, and empowerment and awareness. Um, so we did 12 hours on Saturday and 13 hours on Sunday. Um, it, it was great. It went extremely smooth. We had a solid amount of participants and the chats were nice and the viewership was good the presentations were just incredible every presenter just came with high caliber uh information and understanding <clears throat> and it was extremely beneficial so uh this is a group of seven of us that started out as a support group um about two and a half years ago and uh you know just meeting every week and um, leaning on each other. And then all of a sudden realizing that we want to kind of create something together and take action. So we started a uh, virtual conference. So it was, it was pretty exciting. I had a good time. I was pretty tired at the end, but it was well worth it. So the initial conference, this started out, you, you did it virtually under lockdown and then you kept it virtual as uh, as things went on. Correct. Okay. So, yeah. um, so, how um you know what what went into running that and what went into um the whole organization of of that and and what it's turned into over time over the past three years because i'm sure yeah. it's grown a lot in in community and 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 in standing you know past that point yeah absolutely yeah the first funnel conference it was actually just our group kind of wanted to uh, test the waters and it was nice. Um, some of us in the group have never done a presentation before. So that was the first for them. So um, I was doing a lot of the producing and the live streaming and stuff and, and some of the graphic design, which that was pretty much my first huge live streaming event. So it was a, a learning experience for me as well. And then um, the second funnel conference, we opened it up to external uh, presenters and and that was a huge success as well and you know we we have these weekly meetings and we just learn from our mistakes and how can we better um, you know evolve for the next the next conference so it was great that's awesome so you know as you um, as you did you know set that up and and evolve that the ideas that you were taking and and proliferating among the people who were involved and and all of their audiences and everything explain to me you know um, what you guys were going for as far as you know what um, what ideas you were there to promote and um, and the impact of that so yeah, excellent. we um, started out you know, a lot of us heavily influenced by the work of Mark Passio and natural law. And that's where natural freedom league originated from. And at the time that I was started going out and, you know, going out into the public and trying to get this information, basically taking like the political protest to more of the education space, talking to people and about these principles, this group formed online, but we were also, a lot of us were local to the Bay Area, San Francisco. So we were actually having events like on Sunday or Saturdays, we'd go down to the beach where they had shut down the, the street, but people were riding their bikes up and down the street. 
and San Francisco, that's the heart of the heart of the beast, you know, and everyone thought that we were Trump supporters and all of that. So it initially started with those principles of natural law, um, you know, do no harm, um, self-defense principle, all of those things. And then um, and then as the group formed, we would meet on Sunday nights more as like a self-help group. But then we were inspired by another online conference we had seen, which was called the Seed Conference, S-E-E-D. And um, same thing, you know, they're kind of from the same network. And so um, really just preaching those principles initially and doing it in the format of, uh, again, like Will said, giving presentations. Um, That was kind of my first stab at like actually presenting an idea and putting together a PowerPoint and all that stuff. And um, it just evolved. Like once we had the second year and we kind of expanded out to different communities and and they had different styles of how they did their videos. And then uh, that's kind of really the exciting part about it now. It's like, it, it's a lot of the same ideas, but then it's different people sharing them. And so you see the unique perspective, which helps you to get a better understanding of what it means for you. Um, And then also the unique ways of creating it. We've added in art, music, um, all with, you know, the main message of freedom and sovereignty and um, really evolving consciousness. So I don't know if I answered your question, but (laughs) definitely. So let's get into that further. Um, Let's explain for, you know, anyone that's listening that hasn't come up, you know, um, with uh, any research on natural law or anything like that? Let's let's talk, um, you know, the brass tacks of that and and get them, you know, uh, up to speed on, you know, um, the ideas behind this and and you know what the concepts were and, and how you're um, how you're going about, you know, um, teaching people this. Excellent. Yeah, um, you, you're talking about the methods or the actual information, the knowledge. Um, yeah, how you came across it, how you're how you're disseminating it, how you started sure. out disseminating it, and and you know how that's changed over time, and also um, you know the the core um, ideas behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess the first I should start uh, about what is natural law and natural law. If we define the terms natural meaning of or related to creation, meaning non man made, and then law a condition that is immutable, binding and universal to us all. So this is the the laws of nature, right? They're not man-made. It's it's God's law. It's um it's the laws of creation. So um and like John said he brought up Mark Passio. Mark Passio is a, you know, a huge proponent for natural law. Um natural law can be discovered throughout antiquity um in just different contexts, different terminology. Um, I personally like natural law. It's very descriptive, exactly what it is. Uh, so I'm not talking about, I'm talking about metaphysical laws. Um, so it's the laws that govern human behavior. And this is how I, I talk to them. It's actually the governing dynamics of reality, right? But when we incorporate that to human beings, it governs the behavior by the choices that we take in this reality. So it is karma. It's act, the action that we give is going to, um, we're going to get an effect from that. So this is natural law um, in a nutshell. Um, And it's important to understand freedom that we are actually in the aggregate, uh, we are creating this human condition um, on our own. Like we are doing this, we are fully responsible for changing it as well. So it's up to each individual to take action within their own lives to, you know, tip the scales, so to say. And I'm I'm happy John brought up seed because I think that was the turning point when our group was like, we saw this online conference that they did and they did it virtually because of COVID and the lockdowns and stuff. They, they were supposed to have an in-person event. It was the fourth annual for them and they did it virtually and uh, that inspired us. And I think that's our goal for the funnel conference is to inspire others to take action within their own life and um, understand the, the causal factors of you know what's going on in reality and why why are we why do we have this human um, condition of duress coercion and slavery in the world and uh and how do we get out of it right what is freedom what is true freedom and how do we create it so that's that's the umbrella and um 
all different types of perspectives are good. You know, we, we even had, um, you know, maybe one or two presentations that were controversy to that community, but that's good. That's what the trivium is. Grammar, logic, rhetoric. You got to gather all the grammar, all the data, process that with logic and reason, and then output it in your conclusion or in your behavior. So I'd like to add something to that is, you know, for natural law, it's like, it really is just common sense when it comes down to it. It's like, you know, humans, we find ourselves in this world, we, we see the dangers of, of nature, that's an aspect of natural law. But then our perspective is showing us that there's something higher, there's some type of moral, moral law going on. And it's, it's like, our perspective of it, but also our understanding that like for the best for everybody would be to not cause harm to everybody. And like the idea is that all of us have that in us, that, that instinct of not doing that. And um, and again, that gets manipulated um, by people who, you know, want to distract us from that. And, you know, I mean, you could even, not even have to go so deep conspiracy people want to take advantage of you make money off you they need you to behave immorally you know they need you to participate in things that they can like provide you with um that's one aspect of it you know and you can go deeper as to why they're doing that why they are sort of manipulating us into this um ignorance and then from that sort of negative behavior um that they somehow benefit from um and, you know, that's a whole deep rabbit hole, but I, I like to really look at it as common sense um, because, I mean, ultimately that is what it comes down to. And a lot of times when you get into these deeper ideas, a lot of people can't hear it. And that's what we learned when we went out to talk to actual people who had never heard these ideas. You know, I mean, they can barely wrap their minds around it. So then you start learning, okay, we have to find more creative ways to hook people at whatever level they're at. So I think the Trivium, this most recent Trivium, I mean, they all have been that way, but this most recent one, it really felt like people really stepping into their own voice and how they see it and how they understand it. And, you know, none of us agreed 100%, but hearing each unique perspective, you can feel yourself gaining a, a, a better understanding for it. So at the start of this, when when you guys were forming uh, the Natural Freedom League and you were going out and doing this grassroots campaign, what were some of those conversations like? Just talking to you know normal people on the street as you were you know disseminating the information. You know what what was that like? You know um, gathering that sort of intel on on where people stood and how people understood. Um, the concepts as you were presenting them and 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 sort of the feedback loop that that's that that creates based on you know the way that they're responding to the information as you're putting it out there well i'll say like just as an example one of my signs my first signs was what is a right and then the other side of the sign was a right is an action that doesn't initiate harm right so i'd stand on the corner <laughs> a bunch of cars going by you know, people are looking at me and like, honestly, a lot of people just looking at me, they just assumed that I was a Trump supporter because it was in the, the, the heart of the lockdowns and anybody protesting the lockdowns was looked at as a right wing. So first you have that issue. Everyone is going to lump you into that box. Um, and then what I found was um, I'm pretty good at talking with people and, and staying calm and, and kind of trying to have a, a, a just a, a nice conversation with them, not getting in their face too much. Um, some people would be reactive and then that would cause us to react. Um, when we were in San Francisco, they would ride by and flip us off, you know, like they didn't even know, like, they don't even know what we're doing out here. They just, they just see us and they flip us off, you know? And, um, but when you ever did have a good interaction with somebody, it only took one interaction to make the whole day, <laughs> you know, like if you got someone to take a card and to consider what you were saying, you really felt like you had accomplished something. So, 
Yeah, that's fantastic. And I mean, just even, you know, um, standing around, you know, in, in a space where you don't know who you're going to come across, you don't know what ideas they have or anything like that, like complete public square, not like you're, um, you're online and, and people are siloed into, you know, their, their own different, um, groups where you already kind of know how people feel about this or, or about that or how they're going to take it or what their bent would be. This is just completely open to anybody passing by. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. It, it's such a it was such a good experience. And, you know, I mean, I think we're going to continue to do that every once in a while. Um, it sharpens the sword in a real world sense because you're really getting to use your grammar and communicate with people face to face, eye to eye. They're um, unpredictable, right? They're going to they have you, you can use the Socratic method and and all different other types of communication and comprehension uh, phases. But uh, the the ego identification that people had, meaning that they identified with a certain ideology and they immediately wanted to see you, they wanted to put you in a box just by appearance, like John was talking about with the signs. And we had all kinds of signs. Some of them were really good and some of them were there to, you know, to try to get your attention um, because that goal was just to get them to come up to us and engage in conversation. And um, and I totally agree. We had some fantastic um, conversations, um, but it really gave me kind of opened my eyes to uh, teachability and open mindedness. I would say the majority of people on this planet, if you ask them, do you think you're an do you think you're open minded? They would say yes when that they're completely lying to themselves. Right. Because, I mean, to be open minded, you have to entertain information. Uh, and have a willingness to change as well or consider it. So being extremely reactive, which we saw a lot, um, really allowed us to kind of simplify the profound. And, you know, John calls it the progression. And this is a formula that I use today. You know, write out a progression. What is your your progression when you're communicating to someone? So, you know, most most people don't know the definition of a right. So even starting at that point, like, look, we exist in this reality, you're going to have interactions with other people and other beings, right? So what does that action cause harm or not, right? What's the, the context of that interaction? This is the basis of a right, a right action, a right behavior, a human right. And um, so that it's the foundational information that we kind of want to aim at and to really get people thinking of uh, the elementary right the foundation because if our foundation isn't strong then everything else is going to crumble and that's exactly what's going on today people don't have the the foundational basis of nature of what it means to be a human um natural rights interaction what is freedom what's going on you know most people think this is just normal human beings have to have a control system because we're evil and you know we would do something horrible we'd create uh, chaos or something like that we'd burn the planet down when in you know in reality the control system itself is doing that they're the ones that are orchestrating all this chaos and uh and issues so it was a really good experience to go out face to face um, and I think it's a combination. It's it's the real world interaction, but also having that literacy of the technology to get a message out to hundreds and thousands of people. So it's a combination. So I'll, I'll give you another another aspect of it was um, they people would, um, you know, if you tell them this is why the world is messed up and then they'd say, you kind of can't avoid the aspect of like, there's, there's like a, a controlling hand. Right. And so then it gets into the conspiracy. Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Uh, so then it was like, we would kind of, depending on what, you know, I was going out every week. Like I just would made it a habit every Monday in my hometown. But when we would go out on the weekends, we would, you know, we would like the message would change a little bit. We would kind of adapt to what people were saying to us. So I would bring like articles from Derek Bros about um, how they were going to try to rig the 2020 election, which exactly what he had predicted happened. Um, and then um, and then also like we kind of started making political signs, but they were like apolitical. So I had a sign that said uh, Trump ain't the truth. Right. And then uh, so you're in San Francisco and it's like 
Trump ain't the truth and some liberal comes walking by and then they're like, they're like, yeah. And then I flip it around and it says, Biden is always lying. And then they're like, oh, screw you. you know? <laughs> so, so I don't know if that was a good thing or not, but I think like it, it that kind of shows you like our development of thinking like, oh, these people are thinking this and so we need to let them know that like, we're not, we're not talking about voting. We're not talking about, you know, we're talking about philosophy and, um, so that's just kind of interesting just to see how that kind of uh, shifted as time went on. And it's interesting to see that, you know, people are thinking automatically just because you have a sign that, that you're doing something there that's political when, you know, your your bent was completely apolitical by the nature of what it is. So you're trying to get people to open up their minds to become, you know, um, more apolitical or to even entertain those ideas to take them in and, and um, sort things in a different way. But they're trying to compartmentalize you the second they see that you have a sign and it has any sort of um, words on it that they might associate with something that's political one way or another. And the, the, uh, the inclination to put you in a box immediately in order to understand you is really interesting. Yeah, it's they, they the... would ask us all the time, like, so let me get it. Like, are you guys, what are you guys, libertarians? Or they just, they always wanted to get an answer, but it had to be political in some sense, right? So that they can kind of grasp and understand us. And we're just like, no, we're outside of that. We're saying all politics, government in general is illegitimate. And here's why. Um, it, it was a fun experience. And that, you know, that shows you the mind control. I mean, that is one of the tools of mind control. It's like you create that divide and and you see these people, they cannot get out of that box. You know, and we all, the three of us know, we deal with that. We talk to people and we try to get them to see, like, you realize, like, he, they don't hate Trump, you know, like he's their guy too, you know, and they just can't wrap their mind around that, you know, so, um, yeah, it's just interesting. So when you deal with having those kinds of conversations where they're trying to put you into a box and you're trying to, you know, um, work them back out of the need for a box, how do you broach that, you know, with somebody who is so apt to want to put you um, where they think you go and, and try to, you know, silo you in one way or another and, and the, the, um, the terms and, and the isms that they're using are not ones that apply to anything remotely close to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good one. Um, it, it's it's tricky. Um, the Socratic method is extremely valuable because you're you're asking them questions to stimulate critical thinking, and um, they because you know as soon as they they feel triggered, they kind of shut down and they're not really thinking. Um, so it, it's, it's easy to get sidetracked and they always want to kind of bring it to left field or go, go out of bounds from the, the core message that we're trying to convey. So it does take a little finessing to kind of keep them back on track. Um, and I mean, you know, just bringing them down to just natural rights and that there is, uh, there's an illegitimate authority the belief in human authority is illegitimate and getting them to kind of connect those dots that can be tricky as well because ultimately everything they know and they've been conditioned their whole life and you know we're telling them we're trying to get them to figure out that that is incorrect and uh, it, it's definitely it's it's quite the process for sure so just sticking on natural rights is is a good playing field for people I think also, um, I think also trying to find a connection with people like, um, I'll give an example. It's not the best example. It was a little bit reactive, but, um, in San Francisco, we had a, um, a black couple and they, well, they had masks on. I think they both had masks on, but they stopped and they were like looking at our information and then we're talking to them. And then I think either both of them or the husband was in the medical field. And so he's looking at our information. He's just like, yeah, no, you know, this, this stuff is tested and blah, blah, you know, whatever he was saying. And so they, they were nice. And then they started to walk away and they were like a little bit in disagreement. And I said, can I ask you a question? And I said, as black people, I said, with the history of, you know, offenses against black people in this country by the government, by the medical system, how is it that you you know find yourself trusting them so much 
And uh, it, was, it was good. It was like screeching halt, you know, it was like rip the record, you know, stop the record in the middle of the party. But they they stopped and the guy looked at me and he said, wearing this isn't that much of a sacrifice. And I was like, well, that's just the beginning, though. Right. And um, that's kind of where it ended. But it was like, I don't know, I think like a personal if you're able to get a personal like question in like that to get them to think a little bit deeper about the history of this all and, you know, the evidence of what we're talking about. Because I think people tend to have amnesia in this country and they forget mm. a lot of the offenses that have happened over time. So he's not thinking of it as, as that much of a sacrifice, but not realizing that there's a slippery slope attached to anything that's, you know, become a mandate or become even a social mandate where people are um, are inflicting it upon each other and, and not allowing people to opt out of something that, that they don't feel they they want to do for their for their own body, for their own sake. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, how, how do you get people to understand that there is that kind of a slippery slope attached to it when, when they think that it's just something silly, but they don't see that there's a bigger picture here where, um, where that one buy-in is used to, you know, kind of push the cascade of yeses in, in a certain direction? Yeah, most people, they identify with um, a certain type of political party. And it, even I would say in the alternative media, right, or the quote unquote freedom movement, there's a lot of people that still rest on a solution in government, right? Whether it be RFK now, or, um, you know, we could, if we just to get some type of le uh, uh, legislation passed, or, you know, the white hats are going to expose the black hats in government, you know, the Q movement. It's like, it's, it, this is all erroneous and illusory, right? What comes down is to our individual action. So when someone, he's saying a mask, it's not that big, big of a deal. Uh, what he doesn't understand is that this is being enforced onto people. People are being violated. So even his, his compliance right he's tacitly agreeing to that he's condoning the transgressions upon other human beings so that's you know you people don't have a right to uh condone slavery and violence that's that's my take so you you can be ignorant on how to ride a bike you know you can be ignorant on how to bake a cake or whatever but when it comes to natural rights if you're ignorant to that, then you are allowing by by even your non-action, you are allowing the evil to grow and spread. So and I would add just the idea of planting seeds. It's kind of got to be like your main your main mission out there. And if you're able to personalize it and have a discussion with somebody and plant that seed a little bit deeper and water it a little bit, then then you've done, you know, you've done more of your job. But we would have uh, we had like three basic cards. Um, one of them was just sort of like our, our mission statement and then a definition of natural law. The other one was the trivium. And then the other one was the hermetic principles. So we kind of thought, you know, what, what are we doing out here? We're trying to like ultimately we're trying to get these people to raise their awareness and their consciousness. So we felt like those those ideas were sort of the most foundational thing we could start with to sort of show them like what we're talking about. This is more of a spiritual um, journey than, you know, than um, than anything else. So um, I think, yeah, just the idea of planting a seed. And then if you can get a little bit of a deeper hook in somebody, um, then you've gone above and beyond. <laughs> Shake them out of their their worldview, right? Their preconceived condition that authority you know someone in a in a lab coat uh claimed authority knows best than um anyone's logic or reason right so they see they see the the world their worldview as there's um authorities which is government government has the power and you know what they say goes and that can be that's you know it's government it's politicians it's doctors it's teachers i mean it's it's uh, uh, priests. It's it's all of this. This is perceived authority, um, and it's illegitimate if you're making a claim upon someone else. So it's, you have the abdication of responsibility, meaning that 
because someone's wearing a white coat, they know best and I don't have to think for myself. That's where the issue comes in. So John's absolutely right. You know, I mean, a main, uh, a main thing that we're trying to do there is just is plant seeds because people are so calcified. They need to step out of their worldview box and see that there is a bigger picture going on and it's a lot deeper. And, um, and there's, there's cause and effect at play, which is why I kind of focus on natural law myself, because there's so many dialectics, there's so much, so many of the effects that are, that are <clears throat> um, being propagated uh, in the physical world that people don't understand that the causal realm, <clears throat> excuse me, is the realm of mind. It's the mental realm, right? All of our actions are dic dictated upon our mentation. So this is really important. Nothing's going to change by <clears throat> rearranging the, the physicalities of the, the material world. It has to change in the mental realm and then through action. So cause and effect. So in that way, it becomes a perceptual issue. So you're, you're taking the idea of authority, if, if you're one of these people, changing it into entity and then into deity, where um, you know, you, you've shifted science into scientism instead of you know having a method for looking at certain ideas and and putting them to the test and then coming back around to to the beginning once you learn more information and changing your hypothesis and then moving on instead of following the the scientific method to glean more information um you're having this top down um sort of thing where you're being told what science is and what science says and then science becomes a deity in that case exactly and, and anything can become a deity in that case so you know it, um when you are talking with people and and you are you know trying to convey that and you're trying to separate out you know authority from from logic and authority from reason and and um just even like understanding that that is a logical fallacy how you know how do you get people to perceive that when we've been cut off from from even even courses in ethics and even courses in in what logical fallacies are you know um that used to exist in school and in education and and you know we don't really have that anymore so how do you broach those topics with people who may have never even been exposed to those ideas yeah, man i'll just question. say i'll just say it's really difficult you know, because I mean, the one thing I was thinking is just, you know, there were a lot of a lot of people like maybe half of the people didn't think anything was wrong. Right. In, in the way that we knew something was wrong. Right. Like, they, you know, I've run into people that I, I didn't see through the through the pandemic. And then I run into them and they're like this young kid, you know, that I knew when he was younger. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're thriving. And I'm like. I'm like, are you living in the same world that I'm in? Like, like I can't, you know, barely keep a job because I don't want to wear a mask. And, you know, these people are like, they don't care. They're wearing the masks. It's not a big deal. Like, you know, we just have to do it. It's just how it is. And like it, I mean, that level of, of uh, separation from where we are talking to where they are. I mean, it really, you really have to kind of lower your consciousness to a level to to actually understand where they're at and try to find something that will just lift them up even one step so you know yeah the the in is trying to find <clears throat> something that's relatable that they that so even having like the signs were good um because if someone stops and they pick out a certain sign let's say we have like seven signs out there right but they gravitate towards one of them then you kind of know, um, you know, one of them at one point was something about Bill Gates and they were interested in there. So now you have kind of an in, a topic that you can start to unravel with them because they're at a certain level of uh, awareness, of consciousness. So uh, it, it has to be relatable, in my opinion, for sure. Um, but yeah, now I, I agree with John. There's a lot of people that just think that this is just how it is. And, you know, we call those people NPCs, normies, uh, the unbegun, right? And, um, yeah, I mean, they're so calcified that, you know, may, probably in the next life, they might, they might take one notch up. Well, from, even the, you know, from, e even from the base consciousness, even the Bill Gates thing, you know, it's like, at first, you know, we were all like, it's Bill Gates, you know, like, but like, e even that looking back at it now, it was so cartoonish. It was almost given to us to like 
fixate on and like even if you tell somebody all this evidence like if i showed them a sheet of all the things he's done they're going to go look on their on their algorithm and their algorithm's going to tell them that watch his netflix special he's the greatest guy in the world he's turning poop water into water that you can drink you know what i mean and they're like oh my god he's like you know like you know i would talk to family members about him and they're like i just don't understand why he'd want to do that i'm like you understand that they're eugenicists right like are you missing that part like so it's like i don't know there is such a wide gap and then as you get deeper into the truth community you see the same phenomenon of nuanced levels of understanding what people think is true or not true i mean i think we're in a phase now where um not that the truth community is divided but i do think it's sort of like we don't have the same stuff to to unite around as much and so now everyone's in their little niche communities and some people are being you know mean to other groups and whatever and it's like it's kind of silly you know but i guess it's just human nature i agree it's stratified now and and mm. it starts out that you're you know you're in this camp you know if if you're most people where you believe in what people are telling you and and you have that sort of um feeling about you where you know you want to be able to trust the people who you're supposed to trust and then you know eventually if you get to a certain point then then you start to move in the other direction and you're you're realizing okay i shouldn't have trusted those people they did not have my best interests at heart but you start looking for other people to trust and it's like the pendulum swings and and you've you've gotten rid of one set of gurus and moved toward another set of gurus and until you figure out oh the other set of gurus is just a different flavor of kool-aid I'm, I'm drinking the blue over here and the red over there you know um what am i doing when i come back to center and then i start to understand and start to unravel more of this where you know i need to be taking it upon myself to think this through and not outsourcing my thinking to other people you know and then yes. then you get to that point and within that point, you know, people are really stratified because they, they are at different stages of taking in that information and making sense of it. And the thing that I keep hearing that sounds like a mantra in the past couple years is make it make sense. People are asking people, people are begging, people are screaming it like it's a mantra, make it make sense. Well, you know, if you're not able to to take something and, and make it make sense on your own, you have to realize that it's something that doesn't make sense. And you have to, you know, be able to have the wherewithal to toss that out and find something that does and understand that crazy is crazy and you can't make it make sense. It's just mm. not going to happen. Great point. Yeah, no, to me, I mean, truth is simple. And I think that this is the, the common denominator when you get into morality, because it's based upon actions. So when we understand natural law, our, our, that unity consciousness, thoughts, emotions, and actions, which we all as human beings are endowed with and experience, then we know that the responsibility and the accountability lies with all of us individually. Right. So it's not about finding the right leader or guru. It's about leading yourself to a certain place in life. Right. Becoming your own leader, because most uh, most other you know external leaders just lead you down their path and people just bounce back and forth. Like you said, the pendulum. Right. They find themselves in different uh, different little um, just spots of of awareness. So. It's good to get down to, to the root, the root of, um, of function and operation and meaning in this reality. So, and it's, of course, it's spiritual. And I, I would say, I would add too that like, you know, when you're, when you get to that point where you're trusting yourself and you're looking into your, your, your own understanding, that will probably lead you to religion, which will lead you to the occult and uh spirituality at least you know that's the journey i took um conspiracy is a part of that because you're recognizing um you know anomalies that are going on it doesn't make sense like why doesn't this make sense so that's a part of that search but um i do think like with concepts like the trivium um you know once i've delved deeper into those i can feel myself you know forming my own not my own philosophy, but my own perspective, my own approach and my own understanding. And that's, that's going to help me to reach more people. Um, so I think that's a huge part. I mean, you, you could look at the trivium as occult information. 
um, you can, you know, look at, you know, natural law. It's like it's it's hidden information. It's not talked about. It's also hidden because it's hidden by nature. It's spiritual energy. And, um, you know, a lot of that has been uh, shut down uh, in our time. Uh, you know, we've come up in a, a material era. And so I think this is a sign of people trying to, you know, bring some spirit back into it. Um, but, yeah, that's a huge part of it. So what would you recommend as people are, are embarking upon that sort of a journey and they, they are understanding this information and they want to know what more they can do to get in touch with, with that part of themselves, with others who are interested in this, you know, and, and, and ways to, um, to have these conversations with other people and, and to, you know, have these conversations even, you know, with their families who might think completely differently than they do and generally will and you know um co-workers and and you know um just different ways of of living in in the world among you know people who are not exposed to this information yeah i would say i mean the trivium understanding what the trivium is and how to apply it in your life is is fundamental i mean it is the process of critical thinking so just like um with natural law and how to operate and 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 what it means to be spiritual right you need to gather all the grammar and start with the fundamentals so what is natural law the natural uh the natural law principles you know also known as the hermetic principles and and not just read them and and be able to recite them you need to understand and see this operate within your life and within reality Right. It's not really about parroting what other people say or what you read. It's about embodiment and and becoming, uh, you know, into your your spiritual capacity. So that's really important. But, you know, getting to a certain le lever, a level of grammar and processing that within your own life, then you can apply the rhetoric and the outreach and communicate this at an effective level with certain people, family members, preferably to the public online because you know numbers do matter as more people um, raise their consciousness and come into awareness about what their actions cause and you know what they condone and support has an effect to the human condition um, you know nothing's going to change if we don't get that awareness up so the process of the trivium that's that would be my answer and i would i would tell people to find if you can like-minded people in your community and actually connect with them in real life but also if you can't to find groups online that you connect with i mean i think all of us have benefited from that uh in in a big way um i'm grateful that i have a local community of people of like-minded people that have gotten together and talked about solutions because there there's also the real life solutions the day-to-day -day survival that's also a part of this um, you know, you, you may not get someone on like the spiritual level right away, um, but that is ultimately what what we are dealing with. Um, and all of those things, as you become more self-sufficient or you look at the, you know, the um, illegitimacy of man's law versus, you know, lawful versus legal, that kind of information, um, all of that stuff is going to is somewhat of a spiritual um, development. Uh, just at different levels, but definitely would encourage people if they are thinking along those terms to try to find people that they can communicate with about it because uh, it's important to be able to share it with somebody and, you know, do what we're doing now, you know, have discussions about it. So in terms of your own families and in creating that sort of an environment within your own homes, um, you know, how do you incorporate this into, you talk a lot about conscious parenting and, and, you know, creating that sort of an environment for, for your kids to learn this, you know, and, and to take in the, uh, the ethics, the morality, the spirituality, and, and to, you know, move on from there in a direction that, um, that is partnering with, with your children and with the rest of your family to, uh, to kind of create that sort of an environment where, um, there isn't that, um, that kind of pushback and, and push and pull of, um, of a dynamic where you're having that kind of, um, you know, violence of, of action or thought, you know, you're not having that kind of force surrounding what's happening in your home. 
So how do you go about, um, you know, creating that within within your environment first, you know, in the home and then, you know, um, into the community, you know, mm. further into um, into teaching children how to um, how to look at things in this way? Excellent question. And in my personal work, you know, conscious parenting, I focus on this this category because if we're not educating um, our youth, mainly young children, uh, it's definitely difficult when you have teenagers and they've already been indoctrinated into the, the, you know, the public education or they're hooked on culture, which culture is the strong arm of tyranny and the social engineers. Then it, it, it's a whole different category and it's tough, but you still can influence, um, uh, influence your teenagers and even you know, grown children that you have with their grown. But uh, I focus on, on a younger uh, category, zero to 10. My daughter is 10, but you know, she grew up with me having this certain level of awareness. So when you, you embody the, even the, the principles of morality, right? Non-aggression, self-defense, self-ownership, you can convey these principles to your kids very easily. They, they can understand that and see them in operation as they get older and the capacity for logic and reason increases, um, then, you know, they, they, they grow up with it, right? This is what I think parents need to understand is that we are continuing, we're feeding the beast, the system of control by sacrificing children to the social engineering uh, institutions of public schooling um, and, and culture, right? We're just giving them to, um, to the social engineers so their minds can be molded. And then of course, you know, garbage in, garbage out. If you have incorrect information, uh, then of course you're gonna take the wrong behaviors and actions. And we live in a society where the majority of people don't understand natural rights, they hold incorrect knowledge and they take immoral actions. And this is due to incorrect parenting because parents didn't take the accountability and the responsibility, right? Responsibility, your ability to respond to your children growing up to a being that's uh, evolving and growing within themselves of, of self-discovery, we're we are the we we are the stewards of these children. So if we don't teach them the trivium process, which is learn how to think, right? Not what to think, but learn how to think, so they can discover these principles for their for their own, and also become a conscious um, uh, exercise their own conscious and take right action within their own life. If we don't do this, then we're constantly playing catch up. Right. Any change that we try to uh, we try to implement, it's all going to be for nothing because we're always going to be uh, in a negative knowledge um, situation. Right. Because the, the, the system's always going to be just conditioning and programming the new youth, which is going to create the new condition uh, for the future you know, human society. So conscious parenting, in my opinion, is one of the most important categories to influence and instill objective morality the principles of morality and natural law principles um and, and the best thing one can do is um well a have that relationship with your child where they can i'll give you an example right during the lockdown i took my daughter with me to go into these stores to, so she can see and she can discover for herself the coercion and the duress that other people were trying to, um, that were, they were initiated onto us, right? And so she could see me interact with these people. And, um, and then, you know, it's not about telling your child, okay, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to say. It's more about, do you think that person has the right to tell you to cover your, your, your mouth or, or make you do anything? And most young kids can understand this, right? When they're coming out of the formative years, they understand that, no, you can't force someone to do something you don't want to do. Um, so young children are, are you know, less conditioned and programmed than a lot of the adults nowadays. And that is a sweet spot, sweet spot. The formative years, right? You're formatting a child's subconscious mind, the operating system, which is really gonna, you know, it's gonna be the, the conditions by which they operate in in reality so it's it's very important
So with kids that have um, have already gone through like a lot of that indoctrination in the school system and, um, you know, a lot of um, top down influence, um, you know, uh, bowing to authority, um, not being taught to question things, um, being taught to rote memorize and and to take in as fact anything that that anyone in that situation is telling them and not to um, not to cause a scene based on that to, you know, accept and not, you know, um, and not question, basically. How do you unravel that if, you know, if someone has a child who's older and has already been through that system, how do you, um, how do you go about starting to unravel that with them? Mm. Excellent question. John, did, did you want to jump in or, I mean, I got something sure. for it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, my daughter, you know, we're, we're very close and um, she was in the public school system. You know, my first advice is pull your kids out of school. Uh, and a lot of people are going to, you know, um, react to that. Well, I, you know, we both have to work or whatever that is. And I think that's a huge step that has to come first is that parent has to be in that spot where they're willing to take the leap, you know, change their life so that they can protect their child. And they have that understanding that their child needs to be protect protected from this system. Uh, a lot of people aren't there. Um, but, you know, my daughter, you know, she knew my way of thinking, but it's interesting, like my way of thinking shifted quite a bit in the last 10 years, you know, leading up to the pandemic. So she, she was in the system, you know, up through seventh grade, and I was ready to get out. I was actually working in education at the time. So she would go to the childcare center that I worked at. And um, I asked her if she wanted to do homeschool. She said she was interested. It was hard at first, but um, she transitioned pretty well. And I just talk openly with her about it. So she she understands where I'm coming from. And I, I, I'll tell you what, in all honesty, like when everything was happening and, um, you know, my daughter, 16 at the time, um, a lot of people in her social group um, her extracurricular activity that she does, which is theater, they were, um, they were all getting the, you know, what, and, uh, I don't, I don't know where this is going to be aired, but, uh, they were all getting it. Like all of them, like the staff, uh, the kids, like it was, everyone was, you know, they're all in the system. They're all, you know, they're all in on this. And, um, and she, she felt some of the discrimination because she didn't have it. It wasn't a lot but she was treated a little bit differently because of it. And I actually got to the point where I was like, okay, if I believe in freedom, she's 16 years old, I'm gonna tell her, look, I don't want you to get it, but it's your life, you know? I've told you what my concerns are and thank God she didn't get it. <laughs> but I really think like there's that level of, if we're giving people freedom and sovereignty, like you have to treat your kids with that respect of like, hey, it's your life. You know, I'm warning you that this is an issue. But at the same time, all her friends are getting it. And apparently everyone's fine. Right. Like there was no severe incident that happened to anybody. Thank God. You know, um, I have a stepson who's fully immersed in the system and he's fully up to date on everything. And. I can't treat him like, you know, like a leper because he has that. I have to like have him in the house and have him around me. And so that was a big lesson for me too, is that, you know, like with this, it really comes down to choice and, you know, the respecting of someone's choice. If I don't want to get it, I don't have to. If you want to get it, that's your choice. You know, it's your body. Um, so we really have to embrace that. But I mean, my main point is just being open with my daughter and talking to her about how I feel about things and really working it through with her. She understands it. And, and I'll see her tell me things and I know she understands it on a deeper level, you know, um, but not everything, you know, she, she didn't care about wearing masks, you know, she wanted to go do her activities. Like she's like, I don't want to like take that stance and I, I couldn't force her, you know, so that's a hard, that's a hard lesson too. 
Yeah, it was interesting to see, you know, even um, people who I knew who had children um, coming back with this information where certain kids were being brought to the front of the classroom after they had capitulated and um, the teacher was making the entire class clap for them to, you know, manipulate them into thinking one way or another about it where it wasn't their place to do something like that. And, and yes, it's, it's the, you know, the parent's choice, the child's choice and how they want to deal with that. And, and they should be having a conversation like what you're saying. And, and the child should be involved in that conversation and, and a part of those decisions and it, and it is their body. But, you know, for the, um, for the teachers to be, you know, um, putting that kind of pressure and creating that kind of, um, dichotomous environment in the classroom too where certain kids feel like they're above other kids because they've done this mm. you know that's something that that probably needs to be addressed as well you know not just the influence that you're having in the home but even if you know if your kids are exposed to you know other adults you know out and about you know how how are those adults handling this? And, and what's the dialogue there when they come home saying this, that they've experienced this, you know, in, in their schools or, you know, in their other activities and things like this? Yeah, no, great point. And I'm, I think to answer your question, I would say it's, it's time and attention and communication. Just like John communicated very well to his, his daughter, and he's right. As a child's age, as the age increases um, and their, their capacity for choice, for free will, logic and reason increases with their age, then your influence decreases, right? So, I mean, we're, we're stewards, so we're taking care of young kids, but as they get older, they're be becoming self-sufficient, right? So at that point, when you have a teenager, um, all you can do is invest the time and attention to have a solid relationship with our with your child and communicate right i mean john your daughter made a, a fantastic choice probably do because of the communication and the information and the relationship that you guys have and um I, that's what i think it really comes down to everything in this reality is based on relationships right we're not separate from nature and we're and we're individuals, but we are still connected to everything around us in our environment. So what's our relationship to truth, to principles, to our children, to freedom, all of this, this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, parents need to understand that they need to invest the time and the and attention, right? The true spiritual currencies, the energy and, and communicate You're you're battling against a massive beast of culture. Where, where the children are in a different time than even we have been when we were younger, the age of information, a uh, different type of pressure. Um, but, you know, giving them the, the skills and the information, I think, is vital. I wanted to add something that, you know, when I worked in the preschool, um, I saw this um, sort of progression. I worked at this one after school center, like my first job. And the, te the, the director there would have us in meetings and she would have us do these like, um, like when you do this, I feel this, right? Like, but there was, it was amongst the staff, right? So it was like, it was like staff development. So it'd be like, you know, I would go tell, she was giving us the dialogue so that we could like have a, a conversation without yelling at each other or whatever. So then I go to this preschool in a little bit upper, more upper class area and there, they're teaching that same process to like preschool kids right and i was thinking well this is kind of funny because the staff doesn't even understand like this level of communication but i will say i mean looking back on it i'm pretty impressed that like that was the philosophy it was a child-centered philosophy it was all about getting them to problem solve we were supposed to act as mediators and I think that that's true, like in a school setting, that I think that is an effective approach. Another thing we did at the um, school was life skills. And so it would just be like perseverance. And you'd put the word perseverance up and you would talk about what perseverance is and give examples of perseverance. Um, I think those are really practical ways, too, of teaching 
these kind of principles. I mean, obviously what we were doing wasn't based on the, the, the foundational principles, but ultimately they kind of were, you know, it was like, don't hurt people. And, you know, um, so you can get a little bit deeper with that too. But, um, I think that, you know, probably the, the, the school system went a little bit too far towards, I feel this when you do that. And, you know, it all became about feelings and how I feel. Um, and some of that's okay, but I think some of that has also gotten out of whack in, uh, in society. So just wanted to add that. To hear part two of this interview, please subscribe at starfirecodes.com.